0: Welcome back to the Get Out of Debt podcast with your debt expert, Steve Rode. Steve is an expert in helping people get out of debt and assist people for free with advice and guidance through his site at getoutofdebt.org. If you have a debt issue you'd like to have an answer, just visit getoutofdebt.org and submit your question online. Well, I'm back with Damon Day from damonday.com. We're talking more about debt. That's all we all... Freaking talk about. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about. Uh, Damon, what the hell are we talking about this week? <laughs> we're talking about the debt buyer lawsuits. Debt buyer lawsuits, that's right. You know, the problem is that every week there's something new that comes up. It's a never ending cycle. And if you want to learn more, you can visit uh, my site. I'm Steve Rode. And my site is getoutofdebt.org. Or you can visit Damonday.com and learn a lot of information stuff that i don't even talk about like how to cook roadkill or something right
1: yeah like, like i like i'm frequently fond of saying i'm just a hack with a laptop so <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know on my old radio show one of the topics that we always talked about at first was what we had for lunch not that it was relevant or anything but just what we had for lunch so i'd like to bring back that uh you know kind of historical question and for the very first time, ask you, what did you have for lunch today? Um, I haven't eaten yet today. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I woke up, I was up until about 2 o'clock, so I got up about 9, 9.30. Um, well, no, 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 I did. I had a bagel. Uh, I forgot. I had a bagel for breakfast, but I have not eaten lunch.
0: Well, I had lunch today with a couple of very nice uh, members of the Attorney General's office chatting about uh, a lot of stuff going on in the debt relief world. And luckily, we went to this nice restaurant. Boy, they know how to pick them. I had uh, grilled shrimp over spinach with a little side, as they called it, sprite melon. I'd never heard that before, sprite melon. But well, I guess my my bagel with cream cheese can't compete. No, it can't. It sucks. Oh, and then for dessert, I had blueberry pound cake with fresh ice cream on it. And your bagel sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this week we're going to be talking about debt buyers, and there's been a lot of uh, information in the news about this, not only about companies buying debt, but also a story that uh, Amanda Miller from uh, my site, the getoutofdebt.org site, did. I think it was last week, about people who are being arrested uh, after they've been sued by a debt buyer. And uh, while this story that originally came out from another source was talking about, if you're in debt, you will be arrested... In fact, that's not the case. If you stick your head in the sand and you don't deal with the lawsuit, be it from a debt buyer, uh, and you totally ignore the court, you can be arrested for contempt of court and forced to fill out some paperwork. But debt buyers is a huge industry, uh, and people are buying debt cheaply. And for one of the very first times, I actually saw a report that said that uh, some of these publicly traded debt buyers are purchasing large volumes of debt that has been charged off, and maybe you can explain that in a second, Damon, and they're paying as little as four cents on the dollar for this debt, so essentially they're just dumping it in a hopper and suing everybody, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it's actually a huge problem, and it's, it's really been going on for a long time. I'm, I even had some personal experience um, back uh, seven, eight, eight years ago with this stuff, so yeah, it's, it's becoming more and more popular as a way for a lot of these debt collectors to um, just get a lot of default judgments and then really lean on consumers, whether they owe the money or not, to just pay up. It's almost kind of getting to the point where it borders on uh, on blackmail.
0: Yeah, what's interesting is that the debt buyers are buying these large groups of charged-off debts or debts that have attempted to be been collected on before by a different company. And they're not buying while, while in a perfect world, it'd be great if they bought the total ownership of the debt. And it was then their debt. In fact, what they're buying are just kind of large database dumps that say Bob Smith owes $12,000 without any backup documentation.
1: That's exactly right. And and what happens is the, the system is really designed in a way to where they they can simply file a lawsuit and they know that you know if they spend a few hundred dollars filing a lawsuit, the average consumer is not going to respond to it they 're not going to know how to respond to it uh, typically they they 're not going to have the money to hire an attorney or maybe the lawsuit's not even large enough that would uh, you know justify hiring an attorney and for the most part, consumers ignore these things because they don 't know where to get the help from so these debt buyers know that they can Just file these lawsuits for a couple hundred bucks, and most of the time, they will just be able to get an automatic default judgment 30 to 60 days later. And now they've got a lot more leverage to really put the screws to consumers to collect that money, much more so than just calling up and asking for it.
0: So I would say that probably – and I think I've seen this statistic before – that about 90 percent of people who get sued for debt – just never show up a court, and they just automatically lose. But this debt buyer thing brings up a whole other uh, aspect to it, because somebody else, some new entity, has bought an old debt of yours through one or two different cycles. And there's a good chance that if you get something in the mail saying you owe this debt, you're not going to recognize the name at all.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the word you're looking for is racket. <laughs>
0: I didn't realize I was, but thank you.
1: Oh, <laughs> just in case you can use that.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, you're saying it is a racket. You're saying that uh, they just buy this debt cheaply, sue everybody, and uh, know that they're going to come out ahead in the end.
1: Well, yeah, I don't want to mischaracterize it, where every you know every debt collection company's out there doing that, but yeah, there certainly are firms that uh, you know they know that this is a great way to collect money. I mean, if to play devil's advocate for a second, on, on one hand. You know, if, if, if you didn't have any morals <laughs> and you didn't really care about, you know, much other than making money, when you think about it, it's a great business strategy. If you look at it from that standpoint, where they're going to buy all this debt, and what's going to differentiate if I'm a consumer and I owe 10 different debts, which de- and, and I can't pay all of them, am I more likely to pay attention to one that is actually in the court versus the other ones that are just calling me and sending me letters? yeah I am I'm probably if I have enough money or at least some money, I'm probably gonna negotiate and try to figure out how to get out of this one that's in court so if I am a debt buyer and I have that ability to do it and again, I'm not saying I would, but from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense you know throw everything against the wall sue everybody they can and ninety five percent of the people or so probably won't respond easy default judgment and now you can start garnishing wages, putting you know uh liens on uh on, on on homes or levies on bank accounts, things like that, doing things that are going to get the consumer's attention and get them to pick up the phone and say, please, 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 how can I remove this garnishment?
0: That's why I think that uh, we'll see more debt buyers resorting to this arresting, having people arrested trick, simply because it is a probably a great motivator uh, to get the attention of somebody that's had their head in the sand to actually have a police officer come, cuff them and take them down and book them.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to like completely freak out everybody listening to this. So we should clarify that, you know, those people weren't arrested because they owed debt. They were um, those those cases were because of a contempt of court charge because they were ordered to show up probably for an interrogatory hearing or something like that to see where they worked and where their assets were. And they ignored the order.
0: That's correct? exactly right. Yes. So, uh, you know, if if you do get sued, I guess the lesson that should be learned and the lesson that everyone should hear is uh, you should go to court and you should fight it. And if you are being sued by a debt buyer, especially, you should go and ask for proof that the debt is actually yours.
1: Well, absolutely. And I mean, the problem, though, is, you know, people are deathly afraid of court. It's kind of like, um, you know, they talk about fear of public speaking is like, You know, right up there along with the fear of death, you know, Mm -hmm. and going to court is kind of like public speaking on steroids because not only are you have to be doing some public speakings, but you're in a court of law, you're facing the judge. There's people in the gallery. you know, there's the plaintiffs there, and this is a a very foreign environment for most consumers, and it's it's a lot easier for them to ignore it, but it is very important not to ignore it because like most other things, uh, ignoring a lawsuit – does not make it better; it makes it much worse.
0: So, what do you what do you say? What should a consumer say when they go to court and they're being sued by a debt buyer for a debt that they don't they don't recognize?
1: Well, I mean, that's a real loaded question because there's a lot there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, you know, and every state's different. And you know, let me preface this with you know, I'm not an attorney, so I can't be giving legal advice. I just mainly speak from personal experience and secondhand experience from from clients and people that I've talked to. But every court has their own, you know, rules of evidence and you know what you can do and what you can't do. And the problem in a court environment is there are very specific rules that you have to adhere to. Like with the, you know, you have a, a lawsuit or a summons and you have to have a specific answer. You typically can't just show up and say, Well, Your Honor, I don't know the money. They want you know, a, a verbal response in most jurisdictions is not fun. You have to actually write a response, and then many courts are very Particular, mm-hmm. where you know you can't just get out of you know a, a sheet of paper and write oh you know like, I hereby declare I don't owe this money then that's not going to be a, a properly formatted answer and it would be rejected by the clerk of the court so the dog um, that's what debt. makes it well,
0: what was it <laughs> the dog ate yeah. my debt or I, I left accept it on the debt bus. for value
1: yeah but that but that's the problem. But see, that's the problem with the system, and these debt buyers know it. They know it's just—it's not as easy as just showing up on the day you're supposed to show up and tell the judge what's happening, and then the judge says, oh, I understand, okay, this case is dismissed. There, there has to be a procedure that needs to be followed, and that's why it makes it so difficult for consumers because they don't know what to do, they can't hire an attorney. In most, in, in most municipalities and jurisdictions, you can they've got some kind of low-cost or no-cost legal aid, where at least you can go and say, look, I just got sued. What do you suggest? What can I do? But there, there are some very specific things that you can do, which is you know, suggested in your article here by Amanda. Um, if the actual plaintiff is a debt buyer and not an original creditor, um, the, the, the consumer does have a lot more options because it's a lot more difficult for a debt purchaser to actually meet their burden of proof in a civil case than it is for the original creditor that might have all of the, uh, the, the card charge statements and, and you know the initial application and things like that.
0: So if it's a debt buyer, it's uh, somebody you don't recognize as uh, having a relationship with them initially, then actually there's a pretty good chance that if you ask for proof to verify that this is actually your debt, they're not going to be able to provide it because uh, let's talk for a second about what a debt buyer actually gets when they purchase these large groups of debts. They're, they're not getting files that have a printed copy of your original application that's legible, are they?
1: No, typically not. They're typically just getting, um, like you mentioned earlier, it's a computer printout, they're buying a huge portfolio, and, oh, John Smith owes $10,000 to this creditor. Oh, that's what they know.
0: The uh, I spoke to a legal aid attorney earlier, and he was telling me that in his legal aid days, that it was not—it was uncommon for uh, a consumer to be sued for, say, less than five thousand uh, dollars. But it's happening more and more for smaller amounts, just because it's—it's it's kind of become a pipeline that once you start feeding it, of with all size accounts, it really doesn't matter how much it costs to sue. You're just going to sue everybody.
1: Yeah, and 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 the thing that um, you know when you're dealing with a a third party. You know, the there's a lot of issues that come into play, and one of the biggest issues is ownership of the account and whether or not they even have the ability or, or the legal right to um, file suit because they might not even own the debt or own the rights to collect on that debt. But the problem with the court systems, uh, when we're specifically talking about these kinds of cases, is that the judge cannot advocate on behalf of the defendant. It's not the judge's job to – Decide what to do or what not to do, unless the defendant puts the question in front of the judge. So, for instance, there's a big problem that's out there with um, uh, these complaints that are actually time barred by the statute of limitations. Where, let's say, there's a you know four-year statute of limitations in your state on a, a debt, and a debt buyer gets a hold of it later on. It's you know seven years old, and they file a complaint. Well, the judge is not there to look at the complaint, look at the evidence. And, you know, try to gather more evidence and then say, wait a minute, this is time barred." I'm going to kick this out. That's not what the judge is there for. It would be up to the defendant to respond to the complaint with either a pre-answer motion um, to dismiss because of the statute of limitations or, or, or an answer and allege it as an affirmative defense. But that's why it's so important not to ignore these things, but that's what makes it so difficult is because it would be up to the defendant, the consumer in this case, to, to understand the rules, understand the law, understand the uh, specific rules at that local court, and then be able to properly format um, the appropriate response to put the decision to the judge to then let the judge decide, oh, yeah, I see. OK, this has been time barred.
0: You know, it's, I oftentimes hear people say, well, I don't want to spend $200 or $300 and hire an attorney to help me. But I've got to tell you that getting good, competent legal counsel at a time that you're sued is almost priceless. And uh, another thing that people don't realize is they say to me, you know, Steve, uh, if I get sued and I have to go to court, well, I'm going sh- to tell the judge, you know, here's what I think is reasonable, uh, if you're sued, it's not about what's reasonable; it's about what is appropriate and available and agreed to under the law.
1: Exactly, and that goes back to again the format. You you can't just go into the court and then, well, here's what I'm going to tell the judge. And what I it, it's not like Judge Judy, you know. It's it, it doesn't work that way. Where on TV you watch these court shows and they just show up and the judge is smiling and laughing and friendly and and, and, <laughs> and they banter back and forth and the judge hears both sides and then says, hmm. Okay, I believe you. I don't believe you. So let's go home. That's not how it works in these kind of situations. Everything is done typically in the pleadings, and actually, very little is done in oral arguments. Most of the stuff is done in the pleadings, and the judge—I don't want to—I can't just generalize, obviously, but many times the judge already has his mind made up what he's going to do before the hearing even starts, unless you say something in the hearing that you left out of the pleadings that's going to change his mind. But he's supposed to or, or going to review the pleadings first and know what he's going to rule before. You know, even start. Um, so but again, it all comes down to if you're if you're dealing with the debt buyer and, and you're getting sued, if it's the original creditor and you actually owe the money, um, in, in many cases, I would say, look, if you know you're going to hire an attorney, you're getting sued for five grand and the attorney wants a three thousand dollar retainer and it's the original creditor, and you owe the money, yeah, pay um, you're better off just you know, trying to contact that attorney that's suing you and try to get some kind of a settlement out of that than paying, Yeah, because that's all the attorney's going to do, because if you don't have a valid defense, he's going to say, well, we have to settle the case.
0: So, well, And that's my point exactly, is that uh, it seems that the in those types of cases that you just mentioned, the court is going to take a look at your case, and they're going to say, well, as a, I'm going to decide this as a matter of law, and as a matter of law, you have a written contract with Chase Bank, for example, uh, where you agreed to pay X amount of dollars, you don't dispute that you borrowed the money, and uh, they were sending you statements over a long period of time. That's not something you're going to be able to wiggle your way out of. You just need to deal with it and come up with an arrangement on how to pay it, or if you can't pay it at all, then you need to think about other legal solutions like bankruptcy uh, yeah. that would kill the lawsuit and uh, avoid any judgment or garnishment and allow you to get a fresh start with your debt exactly and so so but when you're dealing with a third
1: party it's a game changer because now it's highly unlikely that if they were if you put their feet to the fire they would actually be able to meet their burden of proof so it i would certainly recommend getting some help some legal advice if you're being sued for you know, $5,000 or more by a debt buyer, that doesn't really have any evidence against you. And again, every state is different because if you, if you read Steve's article, they even talk about that you know 95% of the cases where um, they actually sent some discovery to these plaintiff attorneys that were filing suit, 95% of the time the attorneys never responded, which means they were counting on a slam dunk default judgment and weren't even interested in actually pursuing the case if they had to work for it.
0: Now, if anybody wants to read that article that uh, we've both been talking about, they can go to getoutofdebt.org slash 20012. And that'll take you to uh, most debt buyer lawsuits foiled by inability to prove debt owed. Now, uh, you brought up another good point. You only are entitled to two good points a show, by the way. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you've used them all now. The rest are going to (laughs) be shit. Um, (laughs) In that, when you're experiencing money problems, debt problems, uh, it's all intimidating, scary, you don't know what to do, which brings me around to why uh, many people fall victim to uh, debt relief schemes that seem too good to be true. They latch onto something that, that they think is going to immediately solve their problems.
1: Uh, yeah, that I mean, that, you hit the nail right on the head, because under normal circumstances, cert- Let's, let's just look at you know debt settlement for example because you know we pick on that a lot on our sites and it's just a very easy target um, based on what they do and why I I consider most debt settlement companies to be an absolute scam 100% fraud and you know I, I I can prove that and if anybody that you know does runs a front-loaded fee debt settlement company wants to come on and lay out a, a you know a methodical you know coherent argument about why what they do is somehow beneficial to their clients i'm more than happy to listen but um you know these guys can prey on consumers that are just in a very scared and vulnerable state because they don't know what to do they're deathly afraid of court they're afraid of lawsuits they don't have the money to pay this debt and they hear these ads about we'll get your creditors off your back we're going to work with you we're attorneys so we'll help you i mean they do all kinds of things essentially just to Tell the consumer what they want to hear to make them feel better. And they offer a, a the false hope that if you just come on board with us, you can stop stressing about this because we're going to take that burden from you. And that's how they can get consumers to buy into these programs that under normal circumstances they would look at and say, you're going to charge me what, when, forget right. it. But, the, but they're not dealing under normal circumstances in these debt settlement companies really play on that and take advantage of people because they know they're in this vulnerable state
0: you know there have been some other schemes or scams uh whatever you want to call them that have preyed on people too there's been the the approach that we can write something on the back of a check that says that it it modifies the terms of your original agreement and creditors aren't going to be able to collect on it and then there's the the other approach that people get charged for which is the uh, you were never really lent money in the beginning, and so there's nothing really to collect. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's – all these scams uh, outside of the debt settlement thing that we just talked about are just – you would think that they're totally unrealistic and nobody would fall for them. But people fall for them all the time.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, again, you take somebody that's in a very vulnerable state. People seek out what they want to hear, Right. And when they're in a vulnerable state, they're looking to get on Google and they just start looking until they find somebody that's saying what they want to hear, which is, I can get you out of debt. That's what I can do for you. And they say, OK, I'm going to listen to this guy. And they're really hoping that this is the right answer. So they're, they're listening to this guy or they're reading their website through the filter of I want this to be true. So everything in them wants this to be true because this is the panacea they're looking for where you mentioned some of these other scams where they'll take over your debt for you or you'll be able to, you know, all you have to do is give this company $5,000 and they're going to send these fancy dispute letters and all of your debt just gets melted away because the money was never really there in the first place. And there's, there's all kinds of different twists and turns on this kind of stuff. And everybody's got, you know, a different bow on pretty much the same box of crap. But what I try to tell consumers is, Think about it like this. Anytime you're listening to these guys, whatever it is, whether it's the, you know, the no money lent theory or you can accept it for value or we're going to dispute it under the FDCPA and they're not going to come back and validate the debt and therefore it's just going to go away like magic. Whatever it is, and I learned this way back when when I was dealing with my own debt, what, what, however, however good it sounds to you, imagine yourself in front of a state or a federal judge and explaining this. Because that's what is probably going to happen. At some point, you're going to be in front of a judge, and the judge is going to be looking at you and saying, okay, so explain to me how you don't owe the money. And now imagine you trying to be in front of a judge and saying, well, my signature created the money, so they used that as an asset, and then they turned it around, and they really just lent me my own money. And I've seen this many times. I'm very familiar with this kind of stuff. I've been in court when people were arguing this stuff, and the judge typically looks at them and says, well, did you get stuff for that?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, did you get it? Good, good question.
1: Yeah. Did you get a TV? What, did what? Did you get anything? What? Did you get a benefit from this arrangement? Yeah. Uh. Well. Well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you got stuff, and then you never paid it back. So the reality is, it doesn't matter. Even if it's true. Even if. Even if what they're saying is absolutely true, if the judge that you're going to be in front of is not going to buy it, or probably not going to buy it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. So if it's not going to pass the, yeah, a federal judge would totally buy this story if I was standing in front of him, it's not something you want to do because that's probably where you're going to end up.
0: And, you know, it's it, it just doesn't make much sense. I agree with you, the, this whole kind of vapor money theory. They I, never really lent me money to begin with, and all that stuff. Um, the problem is that let's say that a court did say crazily, you know, you don't owe that money, the entire commerce system in America would collapse.
1: Absolutely. Which is why you're not going to have a federal or a state judge say, yeah, that makes sense. Let's go with that guy. They're not going to do it.
0: And consumers pay thousands of dollars to companies that advertise their services that they're going to guarantee get you out of debt by. That's the other one that uh, I find very uh, humorous, too. You mentioned it, uh, the assignment of debt where you allegedly assign your debt over to one of these companies and then they contact your creditor and do all sorts of hocus-pocus and supposedly magically make the debt go away. You can't unilaterally assign your debt to somebody else.
1: Yeah, that that's one of my favorite ones. And I'm a little rusty on the arguments because it's been a few years. Um, but I, I think that's, uh, what was it, CMS? That was, is that what it is, Steve? Well, CMS yeah, that was and, doing uh, that? And uh, there's another company,
0: CCDN, that was doing that too. Essentially, yeah, they were doing a the argument they were doing a little is, bit different. With, well, essentially, the argument is that uh, um, you assign your debt to us. We're going to send a letter to the creditor along with your next minimum payment that says, hey, by the way, creditor, um, we reserve the right to modify the terms of the agreement. Here are the new terms, and if you cash the check, you're agreeing to it.
1: Well, my, my favorite part of that, and this was actually on their website, but what always kind of made me – I don't want to say smile because it's very serious stuff because people are really getting hurt by this stuff – was they would they would use the argument uh, I think the official term they were using was what's good for the goose is good for the gander <laughs> 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 and and essentially what what they were pre- what what they were proposing was that well the banks have the right to change the contract anytime they want and and, and then they would play onto that either that you know, kind of Whip up the consumer about. Doesn't that piss you off that you signed this contract at zero percent and now they change it to ten and then they change it to twenty one and at any time they can send you a notice that says, well now it's this and now it's that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that unfair? Yeah, that's unfair. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if they can do it, we can do it too. And then see that kind of makes sense to a consumer that doesn't really un- understand how contract law works and um, you know uh, what you have to do to have you know consideration and actually have a meeting of the minds to change a contract. It kind of sounds like it might make sense. Well, yeah, if they can do it, I should be able to do it. Yeah, and they, so that's how they they kind of leave get out to is the very important market.
0: part that you, the consumer, agreed that they could do that.
1: It, exactly, because you this this they're not forcing the credit card on you. So they could do whatever they want. They could say, okay, if you want this credit card, this is our money. We're going to give it to you, and here's our terms. And we want to change the terms whenever we want. Those are our terms. If you don't like that, don't take our credit card.
0: Yeah, if you if you owe debt and you want to avoid getting scammed, getting ripped off, losing money in dealing with the situation, then you really need to get some good, honest advice about what is available. Now, some of the, the realistic solutions dealing with this may not be fun, may not be pretty, might be intimidating or certainly scary. But uh, a magical solution that some out-of-the-way site talks about that you've never heard anywhere else that um has (laughs) unfortunately i find that they tend to have like forums or discussions that are very fringe people you know arguing about is america a really a country i mean just (laughs) things that are just way out there these are not mainstream theories and they're definitely not going to get you a mainstream solution
1: yeah, and you know, I, I looked into a lot of that stuff years and years ago. I was really heavily immersed in it, and and for a while I was kind of on that Kool Aid too. And you know, my experience in, in in actual court here in the real world was what just shook me back to reality. That says, and again, it's re- very simple. Even if that stuff maybe is true, where they start talking about, well, the United States is a corporation and your name in all caps is your, your straw name and it's an entity and you could you know copyright that and all this crazy stuff that they do, which may or may not even be true or legal or what, it all comes down to if you end up in front of a judge, do you confidently think you can argue that theory and get the judge to say, yeah, let's go with that. And if the answer is no, you can't see yourself in front of a federal judge explaining what a straw man is and how you can accept this for value or whatever it is that they're espousing, then that's not something you want to go down because it's going to get you in a lot more trouble.
0: Yeah, and there's certainly there are a number of uh, lawsuits and cases and appeals and everything else that have happened before where this has been discussed by the courts. And I had shared one with you not that long ago about this whole kind of vapor money theory where the court basically said, uh, yeah, that's not going to fly.
1: Yeah. So and it's been and the thing is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, the thing is, you know, in this day and age, especially the digital day and age, Anybody with any kind of a theory can create a website in one day, put some stuff on there, and have his new theory about this, that, or the other thing. And it's going to take a while. If it's a total scam, it's going to take several years typically for the authorities to catch up to it. And if it's not even that big, they might not ever catch up to it. That's This stuff goes on all the time, and people don't get caught, and they go on scamming people. The ones that usually get caught are the ones that catch on, and they get so big – that once people realize that that really was a scam and it's, it's been proven in court that it doesn't work, you might be two, three, four years down the road and you might have 50,000 people that have gone down that road thinking, well, when I signed up, there was nothing bad out there on the internet about it because nobody has had the bad experience yet or hasn't been in court yet. And so they can do that for three or four years, collecting money the whole time. And then when the heat starts to finally come down on them, they just close their doors and, you know, or file bankruptcy or pop up under some different name doing something else, which is the, Again, the same box of crap, but they put a different bow on it.
0: And what's funny is that a lot of these guys do just that: they close down, change their business name, and reopen up. And they're so easy to track. Now, you know, well, you had a
1: you had a recent article about that, I think today or yesterday, right? Yeah, Bob
0: Lindsay, guy in Texas. uh, He had a company called the Credit Card Solution. The Attorney General in Texas sued him, shut him down, and he's opened up a new site. And the mailing address is the exact same. Uh, mail drop, m- mailbox service that the old one was. So it wasn't hard to connect. You know, I, I, think, to. I think if you want to avoid a debt scam that the last thing you should do is look for any sort of debt relief solution or opportunity on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just filled with with every sort of worst scam you can imagine. And I know that you look at Craigslist from time to time too. Uh, when I'm short on a story idea i'll go look at craigslist and see what the latest crap is
1: yeah i mean it's just they know there's a lot of people that go you know to that site it's heavily trafficked and it's a great place to post stuff up there but again remember anybody with any kind of an idea can create a website and say oh this is going to work and make up some testimonies and this is why it works and a lot of times it's it's kind of it's not that difficult to believe certain things when you get some of these guys mixing in a lot of different truth and then they're coupling that with consumers that are looking for something that's the panacea. It, it, it's not that hard to convince people that what they're saying might actually be true and especially if it's so new that you can't even find any negative information yet. you People tend to convince themselves that, well, maybe this was the silver bullet I was looking for and the silver bullet doesn't exist. You, know, you, you didn't get into debt overnight and you're not going to get out of debt overnight.
0: All right. So uh, what else is on your plate this week? Anything coming up that we want to let people know to watch for on your site?
1: Well, yeah. One of the things I, I've, been, I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks and I'm trying to figure out logistically how to put it together on my site is I'm, I'm just getting so tired. I mean, I'm getting clients and consumers calling me almost on a daily basis now, and the, the story is very similar. They signed up with a, a, debt, a front-loaded fee debt settlement company. After a few months, they realized that the service they were actually getting was not very similar to what they were promised in the beginning, and now they're having trouble getting a hold of people there. Creditors are still calling, and then they realize they think they made a mistake. They get online, they find your website or my website, and then they realize, oh my gosh, I made a huge mistake. You know, This is what these guys are warning people against, and then they call me. And they're now just stuck, and they're trying to figure out. Okay, I've I've lost a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. I realize this is not the right program for me. I I need to file bankruptcy, or I need to, you know, get into a credit counseling program, or you know, I need to do debt settlement, with, with, but just with not these guys. So, um, and the 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 common theme is, please help me. What can I do? How do I get my money back? And for the most part, these debt settlement companies are not too keen on giving refunds, even though they're not providing services, which. You know, kind of let you know why they're always insistent on charging their money up front. But so, what I want to do is, is logistically try to figure out a very simple way where people can come to me and come on my site. Um, I know you do this as well, where they can at least share their story and try to help them recoup um, all or at least most of their money back from a debt settlement company that, that brings them on board under you know false pretenses or by not really being totally upfront and then not providing any service and then keeping their money. And at, at at the very best case scenario is we get a full refund for that client, but worst case scenario, at minimum, what I hope to provide is a forum where consumers can share their experience, which would hope hopefully serve as a warning to potential future clients of that program that, look, here's two or three consumers that went through that already and after a couple of months realized it wasn't for them and here was their experience. And I'll let the companies get on and respond and say, hey, you know, this is what happened from our side of the fence and this is why – You know, if they want to come on and justify why that consumer is not do a refund and want to say all the great services they provided, they're free to do that too.
0: You know, you kind of uh, stole the wind from my sail there, or maybe I just got very forgetful that uh, that uh, you were going to do that because yesterday I wrote and published how to get out of a debt settlement program and get a big refund. <laughs> well, maybe I'll
1: just copy your article and put it on my blog and be like, yep, there we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's uh, 19 quick steps. <laughs> Actually, but you know what? I, I brought up a couple things in, in writing this made me think that, you know, not only if you, if you get no satisfaction from the debt settlement company, not only should you complain to the same kind of typical areas, the state attorney general's office, the local Better, better Business Bureau, the Federal Trade Commission, Consumer Affairs, all that type of stuff. But uh, because of some cases that have been filed recently against third-party escrow uh, companies like Global Client Solutions and NoteWorld, I think that people should also send a copy of their complaint to these companies.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. My 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 feeling is uh, obviously every situation is different and circumstances are different. Um, always give the company the, the benefit of the doubt and the ability to give you a refund and say, look, this is – You know, explain to them why you're canceling, whether it was misrepresented by the salesperson, or you didn't quite fully understand it, or your circumstances have changed, or whatever the reason is, and give them the opportunity to do the right thing. And then, if they don't do the right thing in your mind, uh, or do what you feel is 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 right and just, and at that point, you can then start. There's a lot of avenues, and and uh, you know, I did read that article uh, yesterday or today, um, where you do lay out some very distinct simple steps. To, okay, if you want to get your money back, do this, 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 and this. And at the end of the day, it's really just going to be up to the debt settlement company about whether or not they're going to refund the money or not. But at minimum, at least it puts it out there that somebody had this experience and they weren't able to to, to get that refund. but. You know, I, I kind of was hoping to partner up with you on this anyway, because obviously, again, I'm just a hack with a laptop, and you know, you, you're an actual you know writer, and and you you put out a lot more stuff than I do, and your traffic or your website is much more widely read than mine, of course, is. And what I was hoping to do, so by why the hell, hell am laptop? I talking to you? What was that? Why the hell am I talking to you? <laughs> because you get all this great information from me, and then you steal it, <laughs> That's and then you right. do it. That's yes. Part. Then, then since you put out four or five stories a day and I do four or five a year, I tell you all my ideas and you say, oh, that's good. Let me write that. And then I write
0: them. <laughs>
1: and I'm fine with that because then you could just say, oh, well, if you want some more information on that, then go look at Damon's website because he talks about it too.
0: You know, it's funny because people ask me about that. They they say, you know, why do you talk about Damon so much? Um, and and uh, I was going to say something be totally inappropriate, but <laughs> – um, the reality is that, I mean the reality is that you do individual personal consultations with people, and you talk with people on the phone at length, and you work up a specific plan on how to uh, deal with their situation and because I spend so much time researching and writing, I just don't have the time to do that, so I appreciate you offering those services to consumers
1: yeah and and i I just think it's a you know I kind of fell into that accidentally. Uh, just because there was such a huge need for it, and I just found that I was I was doing that anyway, and people were, can I just call you? Can I call you on the phone? And you know, there's not a lot of resources out there where consumers can can sit down and say, okay, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's the debt I have. Here's what's going on in my family situation. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Can you can can you listen to me for 20 minutes or so? And just tell me what you think I should even be looking at right now. What options should I even be pursuing? What's financially feasible? What's not financially feasible? And then once we narrow it down, can you help me create a plan of attack and help me implement this thing and move forward? Because what they typically just get out there is, I'm going to sell you this thing, or I'm going to sell you this thing, or we've got this debt settlement, or we do credit counseling, or we do bankruptcy. And the the consumers can certainly call each of these individual things and try to figure it out on their own. But there's not very many places where they can go into one central place and get information on all of their options as it pertains specifically to them and then help deciding on what specifically they should do. And for most of my clients, I I would say all of my clients, but I don't know for sure, but they get a tremendous amount of relief when they they come off the phone because for the first time they tell me, they finally feel like they – they know where they're at, and they know what their options are, and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and
0: they know step by step what they need to do moving forward to achieve that. So you're telling me that your clients, when they're on their phone, can relieve themselves?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they can do whatever they want because it's not a video chat.
0: Okay. Thank God. Well, <laughs> I spent I spent years actually doing that, you know, personal consultations on the phone with people. And what I learned was that by the end of a conversation with a consumer – uh, you can always come up with a plan on how to address the debt. Now, the consumer might not necessarily like the plan, uh, but that doesn't change what reality is. You know, it, When you get somebody who has no money to pay and uh, has lots of assets and doesn't want to go bankrupt, telling them that you need to talk to a bankruptcy attorney doesn't change the reality of you need to talk to a bankruptcy attorney. But yeah. everybody, there's a solution for every problem.
1: Yeah, there, there, there absolutely is. It's just a matter of Um, you know, learning about each of the options and then having somebody that you can trust that's going to say, look, this is why this makes sense. Because the other thing, I I don't just tell clients what they should do. I explain to them why I've come to that conclusion. And if they don't reach the same conclusion, that's fine. I mean, my job is not to make them do something. My job is to identify what's possible for them and then tell them why I'm recommending certain things. And then they're perfectly free to disagree with me
0: the funny thing is we've brought this podcast full circle because if somebody talks to you you explain the situation you talk about the reasons what they should do the best course of action at the end of that conversation if they decide they're paralyzed and unwilling to do anything they're going to be right back where we started being sued getting a judgment potentially having their wages garnished and all of that you can't stick your head in the sand
1: well, and that's true. But one of the things that I do is um, when, when I fully explain all the different options, it, it for the, for most of my clients, they, they, they can clearly see it for the first time. Whereas before, a lot of what I call the paralysis of analysis. Yeah. A lot of that comes from there's just so much information. They're just getting bombarded with this ad and that ad and this company and that company and this option and that option. And there's just everybody's coming at it from their own. Uh, their own angle and we're the best for this and we're the best for that and that's what really caused a lot of the paralysis of analysis is they just can't seem to get a straight answer everybody's telling them something different but when I get them on the phone we talk about all of the different things and then we work through it together and you're right though even with that sometimes people get off the phone I, I had a lady, um, a, a client uh, I talked to originally back in January and we got. I told her exactly what to do, I sent her some follow up information to you know step by step what to do and I never heard from her again and until about a month ago, I, I got an email from her and she said, OK, um, my, you know, my my boss just lost her job and it freaked me out. And to tell you the truth, I feel very, very bad that I never fought, got back in touch with you. But the real the truth is, I never even opened your email after we got off the phone because I was just too scared and I, I wasn't quite ready. But now I'm freaked out. My boss just lost her job. I'm afraid I might be next. And I hope it's not too late, but please call me so we can reevaluate my situation because I need to do something. Sometimes people just mentally aren't ready to go, but at least if they have the information, even if they're not ready to act on that information, at least they have it. They can store it in the back of their mind or whatever. And when that trigger does happen and they they realize themselves that they need to do something, they already have the information that they need to act on that.
0: Well, you know, another thing is that uh, people um, sometimes... Are, like you said, they're so overloaded with information, they don't know how to make a good decision. And what they fail to realize is that when they talk to an ex- a debt expert like you or me or um, somebody else who is our peer, we're really not there to sell them anything. Our job is to help explain reality and show them what to do. There's no widget to sell them.
1: Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, that client, you know, that had that that you know the email's sitting there for a month I, I mean I don't really follow up with my clients if they don't get back to me I'm not hounding them like oh you know you didn't fill out this you didn't do that I'll, I'll have my assistant maybe drop them an email once maybe twice just to if I don't hear back from them, just to check in on them to say hey did you you know go meet with the bankruptcy attorney or did you do this or do that or just to see if they did the homework I gave them but it's it's a very different reality when they call a debt settlement company or something like that I think that that leads to a bigger of that fear of paralysis of analysis where you call the debt settlement company and then you're not sure what to do and then that sales guy is calling you every day for like three weeks because you haven't sent the application back yet. And it just and if you call four or five companies, imagine that. You're more afraid of the debt settlement companies that are supposed to be there to help you than you are of getting the calls from the creditors. The creditors almost seem tame compared to some of these debt settlement sales guys.
0: You know, uh, let me just, in closing, let me just say that uh, if you have listened to everything that Damon has said and uh, you still feel like it makes good sense to go visit his website, (laughs) 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 you can find him at damonday.com, And if you don't think that I'm full of shit and you uh, don't disagree uh, viscerally with the stuff that I write, you can go to getoutofdebt.org and subscribe to the email list. And I guess the last thing that I want to say is um, I want to apologize for all the listeners for wasting an hour of their life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? This is some pretty good no, information. No, no. Especially It's, it's if you're all been good sued.
0: information. But, you know, uh, <laughs> you could have been on a cruise or something like that. Instead, you've been listening to us.
1: Well, why couldn't they have been on a cruise and listening to us? That is true. I didn't even think
0: about that. They could have downloaded it before they got on the ship. Technology, Steve. I'll tell you. That's what I'm going to do next time. I'm going to take you on a cruise with me.
1: Uh, I don't digitally. know how to respond to that digitally. <laughs> we're both married. <laughs> oh,
0: thanks. <laughs> um, all right. And uh, so I guess we're, we're going to do this again uh, next week, maybe. And uh, the reason I say maybe is because I'm going to do this uh, five day motorcycle trip. I plan to come back all in one piece. But uh, it would be kind of difficult to do this show on the road. But we'll have another one coming up soon, and we'll follow up on the stuff on our sites. Until then, uh, ta ta. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Get Out of Debt Podcast with Steve Rode. If you'd like to avoid get out of debt scams, learn how not to be a victim from debt relief offers, get free help for any debt problem, or if you have a question you want to ask, just visit getoutofdebt.org. And while you're on getoutofdebt.org, you can subscribe to the free daily feed for all the latest help and information.